Welcome to another episode of Today's Lesson, a Nick Cave podcast. I'm not Sean. And I am definitely not Andrew. And we're here to talk to you today about not only the album The Firstborn is Dead as a whole, but the B-side of Tupelo and a track that appears on the CD version of this album, Tacked on at the very end, the six strings that drew blood. Sean, how you doing? Andrew, I am doing fantastically as usual. I'm very hot, very sweaty, very moist right now. But uh, I have a delicious cold beverage with me here and uh, ready to ready to finish this album out. Andrew, how are you? Right on, right on. Uh, what uh, man inquire as to which uh, tasty cold beverage you are enjoying? I was worried you would. Um, I'm going to be made fun of here, but I am enjoying White Claw. Brewing Company's. Nope, nope. Um, different than that. Athletic Brewing Company's Run Wild IPA, a non alcoholic brew. Yes, yes. It's. Um... Congratulations on four hours of sobriety. <laughs> Oh God, no! It's uh, it's a delicious, delicious thing, and I'm just trying to trying to cut back a little on the calories when it comes to how much beer I drink. So I I'm still into love the it. taste. I just want, I just want the taste. I'm in it for the taste. There but you, you can go. make fun of me. No, uh, that's uh, a great reason to to not uh, consume one of the greatest gifts that God has bestowed upon us. Um, <laughs> Just try to live my life. I am drinking uh, tap water that has been made cool in the fridge. Baby. Is it uh, perhaps filtered? It is not. It's got all that good junk in it. All that Portland sewer runoff. Delicious. Oh, my God. I'm actually kind of jealous. My water is plain and boring. I've taken all that out. but. Rookie mistake. I know that's rough. Are you are you drinking an alcoholic beverage of any kind? Just the water. It'll probably get you pretty fucked up though. Yeah, considering how little I drink it, it'll probably. Uh... Anyway, Sean, <laughs> let's get right in uh, to this song. The six strings yeah. that drew blood. This is a weird one. I. What are your what are your thoughts on this one just kind of coming out of the gate? Is this one that you had heard before? I had uh just about as much as I'd heard the whole album before, so once or twice and I was I was actually far more familiar with the birthday party version. Mm. Um but but being 
familiar with the birthday party version, it's actually kind of funny in this era of Bad Seeds covers to hear them cover their own work uh, in a way in which they, they truly make it their own, although it began as their own in a different life. So that... Nick and Mick uh, were in the birthday party, yes. Yes, yes. So not entirely, but still, you know, there's stuff with Roland S. Howard. But Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting foil to the... <laughs> series of, of covers we've had before this yeah yeah and in the same vein i think they take it and they they turn it into something completely new um what about you what are your what are your feelings on this yeah listening to this album i had the cd version for a long time so this felt just like one of the one of the gang to me um listening to it now it feels very very different and feels like it definitely does not belong um especially being you know the tacked on at the end um yeah yeah it's uh i i guess i'd always thought of it as somewhat integral to the album and it does have that bluesy feel uh i don't i don't dislike this song but i think the album works better without it just you know getting ahead of ourselves but yeah no absolutely and it's um as a final track on you know, at least one of the album's versions, I think it joins something of a long list of albums of Nick Cave so that I feel like the last track could be dropped. Um, and this is one where I, I don't think the album is missing anything if you don't take it as part of it. Yeah. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, because this song, there wasn't as much uh, info about music and lyrics by Nick Cave. That's how it's credited Uh in the Bad Seeds version. I'm not sure who worked on it uh, in the birthday party. I know Roland S. Howard was involved in the writing of it and may have performed it on his own. I believe he did. That That's a lot of what I was finding was um, him credited solo for this song um, when it wasn't the Bad Seeds version. Yeah, so I would, I would like to encourage uh, any listeners who know the the deal behind that one to reach out, but uh, it does seem seem linked to him. Uh, again, it's the B-side to Tupelo, and it, it does feel like maybe they had at one point intended to put it on this album. It has that bluesy feel, much different from the Birthday Party version. Um, you know, it starts with whistling. It has that sort of familiar half-falling-apart acoustic guitar. The key, There's like this keyboard vibraphone sound that pops in that sounds like a like really yeah. goofy cartoon noir film Dude, it, it almost sounds like a marimba that that walking yes. line that pops in and it totally it reminded me of like a yeah like a noir 60s 70s cartoon of some sort like <laughs> yeah. first thing that popped in my mind was scooby-doo yeah. um, and it gives it it gives it a goofier feel than anything else on the album and that was one of one of the things that really stood out to me rut row yeah, <laughs> indeed. It's it's very silly. Um the vocals are double tracked. Um kind of a weird weird way of going about it considering how much the backing vocals kind of figure in from the band to the rest of this album. Oh. But uh Cave on, Cave on Cave he does that a yes. lot um throughout and we hear that, you know, we're going to hear that a ton and so I think it's an effect that he's fairly fond of that he started pretty early. Yeah, definitely. Uh, make an early appearance here. Yeah, and again, it, it just, you know, 
it stands out like a sore thumb having listened to all this stuff uh recently and in a row but uh you, you i i think a, a new listener like i was when i first kind of was getting into this album would probably not notice it being a whole lot different but yeah to to uh to wizened listeners definitely stands out like a sore thumb yeah yeah what can you tell me about the the original version yeah so the original version you know this i like i like this song in the look as i said that it gives you between the two bands um the original version is very frenetic very all over the place very in your face very punk and it's it's really you know the birthday party coming out and and giving that aggressive um assaulting performance literally saying that they're instruments that you know they're the way that they play the way that they treat music in their lives is drawing blood and um somewhat of a blood sacrifice in a way to the music uh to drugs to you know everything that embodied what they were at that time and and the music reflects that and in, in how heavy and constant it is and uh the refrain constantly hail the six strings I, I I really like the original track. It's it's all over the place, but it's great. Um, really really embodies the birthday party. This one is far more contemplative, um, and in that I think it does play well with the style of uh, of the bad seeds. But um, in that contemplation, I think it loses a lot of the power of the original. Yeah, agreed. I I mean I think the original almost is. I mean, it's it's definitely dark and has that more gothic edge to it, but it almost sounds celebratory, whereas this yeah. one is maybe the aftermath uh, kind of of what this kind of life can do, um, you know, if you choose to take it as, as sort of w- w- we might, um, where it almost seems semi-autobiographical, perhaps. Yeah, no, it, it brings it back to a ballad style, and I think that that's kind of the direction that they're moving at this point um, in their careers and in time. Um, and it's interesting because I think that they, on on some of the later albums, kind of flop back because this the original really reminds me of the kind of energy you get from something like Jangle and Jack or Thirsty Dog um, mm-hmm. off of Let Love In. And, you know, listening to this slowed down version, it was interesting to see that they kind of go back to that, um, you know, in intense kineticism kineticism is that a word yeah (laughs) that kinetic energy um and it made me wonder what those songs might sound like if they you know then took a step back again and kind of made this slowed down um southern gothic kind of (laughs) contemplative version and we think it'll sound a little bit like this (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah definitely i mean i that's a great great parallel to draw i think that they would kind of get into that more up-tempo, upbeat style again. And and we have a little bit of it on the first album and this album, but generally speaking, these albums are slower and more contemplative than most of what the birthday party trafficked in. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yep. Um, Sean, anything else before we jump into these lyrics? No. There's nothing else to say. That's it. We got, uh, once again, 100% 
Yeah. Wow. Of Record everything. time. I didn't think we'd get there that fast, but um, there's, yeah, no, I'm looking here. Literally nothing else to say. Denouement. The rest of this half hour. <laughs> Verse one. Guitar thug blew into town. His eyes like wheels spinning round. This, to me, feels like, you know, it could be a solo performer, like it says here, or a band. Eyes like wheels spinning round, to me, conjures not just, you know, maybe drug imagery, but potentially sort of referencing the idea that you go from town to town, uh, tour date to tour date, and you just kind of get into this touring mode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a direct reference here with the wheels and the eyes, as well as I think the obvious um, drug reference, the mania um, that this person is experiencing, just, you know, looking around hungry for something in this new area. But um, yeah, no, definitely uh, comparison to their lives, you know, in this band. Yeah, yeah. And referencing themselves as thugs. Very aggressive. Very St. Huck-like. Oh, yes, absolutely. But you know but the story. predates. Oh, my God. It's all connected. That's an expansion of the NCU right there. There we go. Uh, Sean, what are they doing as they uh, blow into town? Oh, they blow into town. Their eyes are spinning around. They're jerking off at every sound. Laying all his crosses down. Oh, yeah, he got six strings. The six strings that drew blood. Um, they are masturbating furiously. I, that's what it says. That's what it says on the page. Um, I'm just reading them like I see them. <laughs> Only to sounds, though. It's kind of like uh, a T-Rex from Jurassic Park. It appears that if you don't move, this man will not jerk off to you. Um, that's, uh, sound. that's the uh, straight-to-DVD Jerk-Rassic <laughs> Park, I do believe. Oh, that's right. That's right. No. Great movie still. It's astonishing production values for what that movie was. Um, yeah, what do you what do you make of of you know those two lines? I guess before kind of this recurring six strings that drew blood. Yeah, again, more mania. Just you know, coming in hot, just flailing around. Again, lots of energy, uh, laying all his crosses down. I I see this as uh, you know throwing religion to the wind um yes just saying you know we're here for the hedonistic purposes of playing music doing drugs jerking off um yeah just just laying it down as it is 100 as it were yeah i i that's how i read that for sure um yeah what six, uh six what strings. strings six strings uh seems to be and listeners correct me if this isn't accurate i believe a guitar has six strings on it um no i think i'll need to uh double check but i do believe this is a guitar troubadour um perhaps a stand-in for the artist or the band and he is giving himself to this instrument. It draws blood. He's playing hard. He's playing fast. He is giving himself to 
the music, it appears he doesn't have a partner, at least not with him, because the sounds are kind of doing it for him. And he has no need for religion. It, it is the music that is driving this person. That's right. Blood sacrifice to the god of rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Uh, you want to kick off verse two? Bar is full of holy joes, a holy hole, a whole aria. Around the neck of our consumptive rose is the root of all his sorrows. Oh, yeah. Uh, Andrew, what uh, what's going on here? I... I like this first line, the bar is full of holy joes, because he's just mentioned that he's dropped religion, or that Nick has mentioned that the character has dropped religion, let's say. I've played a number of, of live shows, not a whole lot, but a, a good amount, and you will invariably encounter a place that is just not into it, or like not the right scene for what kind of thing you're going to do. <laughs> so to me, this is almost a joke of like, I'm laying all my crosses down and going to play. Oh, shit. Should I should add those crosses? Should have been playing a different type of type of music. To me, it just kind of conjures this idea that, that this is something that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, knowing the birthday party, I think that that is uh, perhaps they weren't ones to care perhaps per, per se um when it came to playing in those places it almost seems like according to some of the history that they enjoyed that more um when the audience would fight back so very I think it just strengthens the idea yeah yep strengthens the the idea that this is self-referential that this is you know about the band itself around the neck of our consumptive rose uh what the fuck does that mean god i don't know is the root of all his sorrows i guess <laughs> I, I, you know, consumptive rose to me conjures the idea of like a dying plant or, a, a, you know, something beautiful that is, that is dying. So, you know, around the neck, potentially something dragging you down. Um, yeah. Potentially the root of all the sorrows is maybe a lost love. Honestly, though, that's a really confounding set of lines um so that's a that's about the best i could could come up with for that well and, and not to be a rube here but um could that be a place that someone might store heroin i don't know why that's popping into my head but i know that i've seen something somewhere where someone had some heroin in a in a locket um around their neck and i, I don't know again sound like a rube here i have no idea if that's where people keep that shit um, but that, that also struck me that, you know, it could be the root of his sorrow, the reason for the consumption of, you know, this otherwise rosy flower, um, could be, a, a you know, acknowledgement that the drugs were really fucking with him at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, consumptive. Yeah. That, that definitely has that yeah. connotation. I would say the holy whole, uh, whole Rio or whatever, like <laughs> it's written here in a couple places as a holy hole, a whole aria, yeah, or like an aria, like a solo vocal performance. But that seems to fly in the face of this whole guitar theme. So I, I don't think that's an actual translation of what he's saying. But I can't tell what the fuck he's talking about when he says that, other than it's kind of the part that gets stuck in my head weirdly. Yeah, no, it's catchy, but I can't 
I also it doesn't sound like that to me on the track whatsoever. It doesn't so. sound like anything at all. Let's you yeah. know, let's move on. But again, listeners, if you know what this is, throw us a freaking bone here, <laughs> please, please. We're dying. Verse three, in the bathroom, undercover, he turns on one tap to discover. He smashed his teeth out on the other. Well, he look in the mirror and say, don't fuck me, brother, because I got six strings, six strings that drew blood. Um, Sean, what do you make of this? Well, this is self-destruction. I believe it's it's just, you know, he's stumbling into the bathroom, uh, not realizing he's hurt himself, um, looking in the mirror and seeing, you know, himself, but of course not himself and it's the his self that uh he has given to the music that has you know given the blood and um is now being threatened by himself said don't don't fuck me don't stop me um because i got six strings and so it's you know the music that blood sacrifice we see an avalanche it's the it's the um risk of devoting yourself so fully to something is that it will take over and it will no longer be you and and perhaps consume you you know you become the consumptive rose uh that's what i'm getting out of this yeah i like it i like it a lot there's i mean it's so ambiguous um there's a lot of stuff to say about it i bathroom undercover you know you could be doing drugs in there um you could be just having played a show and you know smashing your teeth out you know maybe He's gotten into a fight with some patrons. I know they were very antagonistic as a band when they were in the birthday party. Um, but the talking into the mirror to this quote-unquote brother does feel like uh, him talking to himself. Um, you know, smashing your teeth out on a, on a tap is pretty, pretty gruesome and grim. Uh, something that the bad seeds traffic in, but the birthday party did much much more yeah nope um but yeah it feels like someone at the at the end of their rope someone whose um you know habits or lifestyle is destroying them and uh just a very kind of solitary uh stanza there just at at, at that moment when you're just on your own dealing with where you've gotten but in a way optimistic at the end you know, don't fuck me. I've got six strings that drew blood. You know, I I am powerful because I'm creating something and giving my all for it. So I, you know, not the most optimistic passage, but you know. But hey. Yeah. No, that there's hey, there's something there. Hey there's a light in the darkness. <laughs> hey, you got your guitar still. It's fine. Six strings that drew blood. Good. Hey buddy. <laughs> It's me, Guitari. <laughs> Play me. Don't fuck me, brother. <laughs> Give me blood. Oh, you smashed your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, verse four. Uh, Numbing the runt of reputation they call rat fame. Top E as a tourniquet. A low tune whistles across his grave. Forever the master and the slave of his six strings. Six strings that drew blood. Sean, the top E is the, in a standard tuning on guitar, 
is the thinnest of all the strings and the highest of all the strings when you play uh, oh. on a guitar. Did you know that? Is well, See, and I saw top E, and, you know, I'm so good at guitar that I just figured that that was the lowest note, that that was the one that's on top when you're holding your guitar the right way. <laughs> Famously easily breakable if you're drawing blood, you know, making a racket on that guitar. What do you make of that? First line, though. Numb in the runt of reputation they call rat fame. Well, numb in, uh, numb in the runt, numb in, numb in the child of reputation. I think that this is, you know, not to get too specific because I'm getting lost in the words. Um, I think that this is the admission that something here, the, the music, the sacrifice, all of this is being used to continuously numb uh, the the terrible child of fame, which you know is perhaps the sorrow that's inflicting this person, um, but they're they're trying in any way that they can um, with the tools that they have at their disposal to numb themselves uh, against the the ills of fame, against the ills of you know what playing six strings very well will get you. That's what I'm getting out of that. Yeah, and the, and the rat. The rat of fame. Fame is the runt of reputation. You know, reputation, I think, here, he's conflating that with something more, maybe low-key, but also more desirable, more prestigious. Whereas fame is just this, yep. you know, sick rat of, well, I know who he is. You know, I don't, I don't uh, respect him, but I know of him. Um, could be... Some kind of thing, and then I like what you said about uh, the numbing. Um, Toppy is a tourniquet, you know. This music is damaging him, but maybe healing him as well. And then tourniquet, you know, in a string, kind of does conjure some some drug use imagery. Um, to me, although I don't know that that was necessarily the intent. But then we have the following line: a low tune whistles across his grave forever the master and slave of his six strings so this you know carousing this lifestyle of of potentially drug use and maybe getting in fights living on the road their whole life alone or even with a band or just with with people that are drawn to his fame or whatever this is a self-destructive path Maybe this isn't the path of every artist, but it feels like a glorification and a warning, um, a peek behind the curtain to what it's like to become, you know, a touring musician, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. I think it, it also is the most direct comparison here between uh, music and drugs, and perhaps they both give, you know, the artist the same kind of high and are both used for the same end um I, I do think the toppy is a tourniquet here is is probably a reference to heroin use um it also serves as an interesting foil that the strings are drying blood but are also now stopping or staunching the flow of blood yes um, from a wound likely um but you know at the end of the day not good enough the grave is already dug the person has died um 
going back to, you know, speaking to themselves in the mirror, both the master and the slave, it's one person, but just as many people describe, you know, being, being a slave to addiction, being a slave to drugs, um, you know, you are both your own master and your own slave. You don't, you don't feel in control of yourself, but it is ultimately you doing everything. And so be that drugs, be that music, uh, whatever it is, the, the speaker here is, has succumbed to it. It is both his salve and his disease. And, uh, yeah, I think a sad end, a sad end to that story here. Perhaps. I think it's framed pretty, pretty sad and, and desolate, but I do think, you know, if you're reading that last line, the forever, the master and slave of his six strings, there is a sort of beauty in that, right? Like, yeah, to, to devote yourself to art so fully and to not basically, you know, when you get, go down that path, it's tough to not make stuff and you don't maybe feel like you're a person if you're not making stuff. And I think that uh, it can be something that is all consuming and uh, definitely don't want to aggrandize drug use as such, but definitely like, you know, making art and, and touring and stuff can be self-destructive, but it can be really positive. So, um, yeah, this is, this is kind of like the goth version of uh, jukebox hero. It's, it's <laughs> somewhat the same story. Um, you know, beat up six string knows what it's for. And, and here it ends with perhaps a death rather than the heroism of the jukebox hero. But uh, no, I think, I think there is a beauty there. I like that. Yeah, and, and we're we're taking this, you know, we obviously found sort of a similar kind of path through the song and, and what it might mean. There could be a host of other things we're not aware of, but, um, you know, again, let us know. Let us know if there's something else to this song that we're not uh, privy to, because we've had some, uh, some songs like A Box for Black Paul in the past that... Uh, can be illuminated by knowing more about the history of the band than we do. So, you know, that's, that's the end of the song. Um, lyrically, uh, not a whole lot else to say about it, but let us know if you have any, any other uh, thoughts on it. Yeah. What, uh, what do the six strings mean to you? Tell me. Sit with that. <laughs> Tell us. We're listening. Sean, let's move on to, the album wrap up. I have a I have a question for you. Yes. We kind of talked about this with the Tupelo episode, the first episode. Where were you at going into this listen? And where are you at now in a general sense before we rank anything or uh you know, explain our our various feelings on each song? Um, prior to this listen through, I actually knew very little about this album. Uh, I'd only listened to it probably you know, two or three times all the way through. And it was by far my least listened to cave album. Um, this time though, I, I've come around to it quite hard and it's probably going to be my regular rotation for a bit. Uh, Andrew, how, how did you feel about the first born is dead before we went, you know, front to back? Yeah, this was, this was when I came late to, like I, I listened to it when I was really getting into them, but I kind of tossed it aside. I'm not a big blues fan, um, personally, but at a certain point, I think this album along with another one, while they were a whole holdout for a long time, um, eventually coming around to it 
I just waited long enough until it really hit me the right way. And now I wouldn't say this is one of my absolute favorite albums by any means uh, by them. But, you know, there was a point, you know, a few years ago where I really got into it. And, you know, digging into the lyrics with you, with the fans, I really have grown to appreciate more than just the vibe and the music. I really dig a lot of the maybe not themes but images presented here and it's it's up there for me for sure just not way up there yeah yeah no thematically i mean it's all over the fucking place but as far as the the beauty of the music the way that it presents what it presents at least is is far beyond what i thought it was and and really i think what does it for me with this and it both helps and hurts the album is just the variety present um it's all over the place and i think that's what's going to keep me coming back to it is that there are different so many different moods so many different themes so many different pieces on this album that while they have a similar bluesy thread through them i don't know if i'll ever listen to it front to back um but it helps and that you know i might be in the mood to listen to black crow king i might be in the mood to listen to tupelo i might be in the mood to listen to blind lemon jefferson um of course, that hurts it in that I doubt there will ever be a day where I'll be in the mood to listen to Tupelo through Blind Lemon Jefferson again. Uh, if that makes sense. So we're we're very not aligned on on that sense. I really like this album as a whole, and no. I think this album is much more connected, especially with what we found kind of in Blind Lemon Jefferson. Whereas the first album, if I'm just comparing this album to the first album, the first album seems way all over the place to me. Um, Interesting. Especially musically. Now, the, the vibe is much darker, right? Yeah. This, yep. There's a lot here that it, that is very different in terms of, of lyric content. Um, definitely agree there. But this, to me, excluding the six strings that drew blood feels very much of a piece in a way that very few other albums of his do to me interesting i'm gonna have to sit with that for a while because i have the exact opposite feeling on the first album sometimes i'm just in the mood to listen to the first album um and i don't know why now that you now that you put it that way now that you've it is it's all over the place but i don't know what it is that connects that for me that does not connect it for me here well, it's totally, um, I mean, it's it's totally subjective. I mean, there's some objective things in other albums where, you know, he'll, re- or, or on this album to an extent where he'll reference things from other songs in another song, but that doesn't necessarily equate to anything super tangible, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's just up to the uh, interpretation of, you know, what you see when you listen to this stuff. This this album, I feel like I never really, until we got into it, I never really got hung up on the lyrics. Whereas the first album, no. I was way, way, way more into the weird shit he was saying. <laughs> and I guess, yeah, let's let's first off, you know, before we get into our ranking, are you taking this one or are you taking the first album so far? What What is your ranking, just the two albums we've talked about? Oi. Boy, um, I'm gonna have to go with the first album. It's got to be. That's number one, and this is number two. Yep. No, it's uh, 
yeah, for all the reasons I just said, I don't think, um, I don't know. I'm just sometimes in the mood to go back and, and listen all the way through, um, from Avalanche through to the final track on that album. (laughs) (laughs) Well, depending, you know, Black Paul, I guess, since in the ghetto is tacked on in the middle for that one, but yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, matter of opinion for sure. I mean, that for me, I would say I will always enjoy listening to this album more all the way through. But if I were to have to recommend one of these albums to somebody, I would have them start with the first one, 100%. And I think the high points on that album are much higher than this one. I just think if I'm going to sit down and listen to one, I think my average rating would probably be higher for this one. Interesting. And I like that if if I had to recommend one of these albums to, to somebody to start with, I wouldn't. That's, I don't know. It's interesting. It's oh, it's odd to rank them. If I had to um, choose between these two, I mean, I would never choose one of these two in the whole discography to, to recommend someone just starting out. It, which is so weird because it's the first two albums. I would just, uh, it's not it's not weird at all. People, you know, the band grows and things develop and, and there's far more accessible points. Just listen to fucking um, Murder Ballads and get back to me or, you know, whatever. Let love <laughs> in. You know, just jump into those, I would say, and, and get back to me. And then we can talk about the six strings that drew blood. <laughs> That's right. I'm excited to get the Murder Ballads because I, I want to, I do want to scientifically pinpoint what it is that makes that album so accessible for people. It is truly um, bizarre. Um, but I, I think... I think we're aligned on our on our uh, analysis in that regard, and just have different personal preferences, which is a okay. And we would love, love, love to hear what y'all think about, you know, where you'd place these two albums, what your favorite songs are. Sean, we're gonna rank our favorite songs on this album. We started with the song we liked the most last time. Do you want to continue that trend or do you want to start from the bottom? I think we really, I don't, I think we really fucked up doing that. We need to start at the bottom. There has to be build. There has to be hype. You think so? I think so. I want to start with the last, the lowest, the worst. Sean, what is your least favorite song on this album, including the B-sides? Oh, including the B-sides. Yikes. Um, This one that we talked about today. Absolutely. Uh, it's pretty easily wanted, man. That, uh, yeah, good God. I, I don't know if there is, there's not a whole lot for me to say about the song. Um, it is certainly a low light on the album. We had our fun with it, but we the sure song kind of sucks. Buddy. We <laughs> sure did. Uh, it, was a, it was a great time. It was a great little road trip, but, um, you know, I could have done without this cover entirely, and I, I don't know if there's much more to say. I would rather, and it would have made so much more sense for Wanted Man to have been the B-side and to have six strings on here, um, but I I don't make the big bucks. I don't make those decisions, so <laughs> we got what we got. What we, about you? We do not agree on our least favorite song, but I 100% agree about making Wanted Man the B-side. I think that would have been perfect. But as we'll see, he does have a, sort of a penchant in these first you know, few albums of having a cover on the album. Um, I, yeah. I just, yeah. the, Six Strings That Drew Blood does nothing for me. 
Um, it's fun, but I neither version really hits me. And if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick the birthday party one. The lyrics of this song are interesting. I think we we had an interesting interpretation of it. I just don't uh, I don't feel like it belongs on the album. And and granted, it wasn't meant to be. But compared to all the others, it just uh, it falls a little flat for me. Right on. And and that one is is coming in hot at number seven for me. Um, the thing that puts it above Wanted Man really is the is that weird marimba line that uh, <laughs> elevates it. It secures its spot, uh, secures its place above the bottom. Interesting. But, so uh, you went kind of with a music versus music kind of approach for those last two. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't, I don't feel much for either of them. Um, and honestly, six strings I don't actively dislike. Wanted man, I I usually skip. So okay, yeah, I'm I uh, I have wanted man uh, next as well. I think for me the music in that song gets me a little more jacked. Um, I I just don't love either of these last two songs, but I don't dislike them as much as say. I mean, wings off flies is so much more interesting than these songs but yeah. i don't know i'd rather listen to these than that probably i and, don't know yeah that's a discussion for a different day because i i hate you for that opinion <laughs> <laughs> kiss my grits what do you no, got next like, what do you got at, it's at, all uh, subjective it's yeah. all subjective unless you're wrong well yeah, no, I know a lot of the stuff you say is pretty terrible, but we say it's all subjective to avoid litigation. The bo- <laughs> avoid litigation. Where you, I mean, what you said is <laughs> lighten the uh, lighten the loads and make things nicer between people. Because, uh, as I said earlier, I I hate you for that opinion. But <laughs> so so our bottom two, wanted man and six strings in different orders. I could I could have seen that coming, I think. Yeah. I don't I don't think you're going to see this next one coming. Well, I do cuz I know cuz we've talked about stuff a little bit, but why don't you go ahead and tell me? Number 6 coming in coming in real hot is uh, like a Tupelo. Like a storm, yeah. Like I figured a that big would be old the storm. Case. A black rain come down on this on this song and it pay, it really does pay me to put this on here because it's great. And it's great live. Um, and I, I do love it. You know, this is going to be the case in a lot of these in these albums where it's like, oh, it's, you know, number six out of eight. Doesn't mean it sucks. It doesn't suck. Um, it has some of my favorite lines in there, like uh, listen to the beating of their blood, Sandman's mud. Just the way he spits that out is beautiful. Um, the beast that cometh, cometh down, Tupelo bound. That's one of my favorite deliveries of his uh, over the course of all the music that he puts out. Um you know, it's a, it's a delicious bit of Revelation-esque horror, but it's just, it's a little overlong and the lack of any interesting narrative beyond a storm where Elvis is getting born at uh, doesn't really do much for me, you know? Yeah. There's that, not a whole lot there. That song is, is another one that's risen pretty high in my ranks from me not really digging it. I do think it's on my short list of songs I would show a new fan and probably the only one from this album. Yeah. yeah. Um and I think it's important. I think it's I don't know. I think it's kind of the most important to his career song that we've talked about other than maybe 
the title track from the first album or or maybe even saint huck but yeah i i i have it ranked higher for sure but i totally get it well what is in uh in your sixth slot here this would be say goodbye to the little girl tree a song i enjoyed much more after we talked about it together but a song where honestly the music does it for me a lot more than the lyrics um it 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 fits so well in its slot in the track listing it's great just doesn't do a lot for me um yeah not subject matter i'm super interested in personally anyway but um it fits the fits the kind of dusty deserty southern theme of the the album to me absolutely no that is that's completely fair andrew i'm gonna i'm gonna switch it up on you here what's your number five my number five and this at this point it's it's close like every song is really close um these we're in certified banger territory the top five of this one for me i i love all these songs um but i'm gonna go with blind lemon jefferson here right on i i i feel you there and um we are in banger territory and so a lot of these i think are uh fungible they are you know they'll they'll move at least for me over the over the next months and years i listen to this album 100 tomorrow Um, this could be different honestly i made this list today for that reason (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly right before this i was like okay where are they at um yeah no uh, blind lemon jefferson was a big surprise on this album for me and i i i totally get that um why is it there for you uh it's there for me because the rest of the songs on this album just get so relentlessly stuck in my head when i listen to them that i'll just be humming them the rest of the day um i think it's a great ending song and the ambience like i could put it on at night you know pitch black and just be somewhere and obviously that has a lot to do with the the uh the blindness of the main character but also i it just embodies the album so well and part of that embodiment is that it's just very sparse and i think the songs above it for me just have more going on musically and are at least as good if not better lyrically to me uh yeah. what do you what do no. you got here so this one and like i said i'll just i'll just spoil number four too i have i have blind lemon lemon <laughs> blind lemon jefferson blind lemon jefferson at uh number four but it could be number five the, these two went back and forth um knocking on joe is my number five and these two tracks actually were both surprises for me um they were tracks that i didn't really dig at all before this listen through they were they were some of the ones that with wanted man i i might skip because they're kind of long um knocking on joe i really just kind of tuned out when i listened to it because i fucking hate the line and this lock cannot be broken no not with 1000 keys um that just always struck me as really stupid i don't yeah, know it's a very woe it's, is uh, me feel bad for me song i mean yeah a long line but, of horrible sort of uh, uh subjects of these songs but it's it seems to be in jest and that and doesn't mean what, you can't hate it you know no but that's what that's what brought me around to it was i was taking it too seriously um i think when i listened to this album i was i was still taking gabe too seriously in in many ways um because he does put a lot of a lot of that tongue-in-cheek um lyricism in there especially when he's playing characters Mm -hmm. that feel a certain way about themselves or about the world and 
you know, this is someone who throughout the song is is so, you know, woe is me, so um, melancholy and has this, you know, sudden seeming revelation where he's, you know, telling everyone they're going to be judged and, and kind of lashing out. And, um, you know, that that weird lame poetry is, I feel, part of this character. And that's, that's what brought me around to it. That's what put it up, you know, above Tupelo. Um, just the fact that this is, you know, a, a cave prison song, not in line with his other prison songs. You know, this isn't um, an unrepentant criminal getting theirs. It's not Up Jump the Devil or Mercy Seed or something like that. Um, it's, it's kind of a gorgeous look in the head of a man who has been broken by the system. Um and has some really, really great lines in there. I, I love that square foot of sky will be mine until I die. Yeah. And I love the delivery at the end of, oh, you can run, you can hide, but you have yet to be tried. <laughs> um, that stuff just, oh, it's it's so good. And so I, a lot of the shortcomings that I had with this song initially have been have been cast aside. But uh, yeah, I'll just jump ahead to my number four, The Blind Lemon Jefferson. Everything you said puts me in a certain place. I think there's a lot of depth there that I didn't see before, but these two were were big surprises on the album for me. Yeah. So so to to uh, wrap up number five, you had knocking on Joe. I had Blind Lemon Jefferson. Yep. Number four, you have Blind Lemon Jefferson. I have knocking on Joe. So those there two, those two, and I would say the next one for me are all kind of on the same sort of wavelength. There's there's tears uh, to this list. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what you got for number three? Well, number three, I've got, uh, say goodbye to little girl tree Mm. pulling in ahead. And so this one, this one is pretty high tier for me, uh, listening through the album again, just to kind of get a sense of how I did feel about the whole album. This song is really a highlight for me. Um, and you know, in spite of some of its failings, I feel like, uh, say goodbye to little girl tree or SGB two TLGT is, um, really just a standout piece for you know that use of space the the way it invites you into this truly unassuming nightmare um and it, it really does feel like wandering into i i can only imagine when i listen to the song wandering into the aftermath of the scene um where you're you're kind of shown all of these things and never never told outright um in a way that feels forced and so they're are some regrettable stanzas in there um but the end product completely justifies it for me yeah it's a great uh it's a great second track um yeah it 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 sort of serves as a it's kind of the darkest song on here too honestly like there's some dark shit for sure but this is the one that for me really has echoes of the first album in terms of the subject matter um but the music again you know it really embodies this album uh very bluesy very southern and and again just a really jarring song because really kind of a fun romp musically and just horrible shit lyrically yeah i mean we we talked about it on the track but it was another one where you know i didn't necessarily listen to the lyrics too closely um and thought it was way more fun than it is but it is that gothic horror it is that you know horror theming from the first album um brought into the desert here and i i love the way it starts right after tupelo 
that big storm, this big full piece, um, you know, very dark, very foreboding. And then you're just immediately in this sparse, um, you know, twangy guitar riff and goes from there. I, I love it where it's at. Yeah. Um, so that's your number three. Yep. And uh, what would yours be? That'll be Black Crow King for me. Um, just a really, this song gets, I, I don't know what it is about this song, but this song gets stuck in my head every time I hear it. It's so reliant on his vocals and he doesn't do a lot of singing on these albums, but he does a lot more here, but to go from the first album to hear and hear his voice really carry the song, even if he's kind of getting a little crazy with it i don't know yeah it just has it has so many great moments of him and knocking on joe is like this too and it's why i have them kind of in the same tier as lemon jefferson as well lots of moments of just him delivering something or or even just moaning and then just silence (laughs) or some weird like ambient texture behind it and just this song you know i don't know that there's a whole lot to it um, in terms of this like grand you know allegory or whatever you know, we were able to mine some some good gems out of it but i just this song just conjures so many images for me it is lyrically and probably performance wise my favorite song on the album but there are just things about um the top two that kind of unseat it for me but it's real close sean what's your number two yeah, so this one was super hard, and these last three were really hard for me. Uh, Train Long Suffering is pulling into the station at number two. Um, what a fucking song. Like, this, for the longest time, was my number one. Um, you know, it, the, the hook sinks so hard and so fast. The imagery just pops out, hits you like a train punch in your jolly jaw. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a great way to kind of lead from little girl tree to the rest of the album it's got pop it's got some depth that's at its core you know somewhat of a love song um it's got i think the least symbolism on the album which makes it nice and breezy um but it's so tight and it's just it's so it just gets stuck in your head it gets stuck in my head i just i just love listening to it so um i liked it before i like it even more now which is interesting that it fell in my ranking but uh, no, Train Long Suffering is a solid, solid number two. It's Andrew. extremely good. Um, that is the reason that it is also my number two song. Um, it is so fucking fun to listen to. And I think if I had to come up with a list of 10 songs, you know, if I got to see Nick Cave during the glory days and see any 10 songs live, this would probably have to be on it. Musically, it's one of my oh. favorite things he's ever done. It was really a hard choice for me not putting this number one because I can listen to the song anytime. It makes me feel great. It just really, there's so many of these bangers throughout his career that aren't the most lyrically rich. Yep. And I think that's the only thing that kept it from the top spot for me. I, I honestly have listened to this song for sure more than any other on this album. And it's probably my favorite favorite song to just throw on that we've talked about so far by miles and miles um 
I just couldn't put it number one because it just, I don't, I don't want to say objectively, but like, I feel bad having a song that has so little lyrically (laughs) at the top when we've talked so much about lyrics, which leaves my number one is Tupelo. I just, it was, I, I really wanted to put Trey Long Suffering above it, but for me, the music, the lyrics, and the performance, if we're just grading on those three metrics like this is the one that i think has the highest average for me of all of them yeah and i'm not all that into a lot of nick cave's hits to be honest i like a lot of the weird you know i like the train long sufferings and the black crow kings but tupelo of the red right hand uh wild roses uh man it's just it's my favorite of like probably most of the songs he would put on a greatest hits album yeah no right on i i I totally get that i i ranked it very low but i don't know what it's been it's it's never been up there for me and i totally get why it is because this this is up there for me as far as live tracks go so when we've seen him live Mm -hmm. this has just been mind-blowing it's something it's something to witness um there's something about the recording that just doesn't do it for me but no, everything you're saying, I totally get. Yeah, and, uh, one more thing. Like for for me, I just feel like I can hear what everybody's doing for sure on that song. Like I, I can tell when like yeah. Blix is adding weird little warbly noise to it. You know, I just everybody's really pulling their weight in that song. I love it. But again, like I would say, you know, Little Girl Tree Wanted Man and Six Strings are kind of in a tier, and these top five are pretty damn close for me. Yeah. Right on. Sean, what's um, your number one? Ooh, number one, this was hard fought. Hard one, but uh, you know, the king. The king, baby, the black crow king, is uh definitely my number one. And this just from from our numerous repeatings of you know, our numerous plays over the past um, month or so, I just it it to me is the beefiest thing on the album. It's just that perfect representation of that southern gothic rock that they're going for here. Uh, steeped in the, the biblical fabulism, it's it's mm-hmm. introspective, it's self-deprecating, it's it's all sorts of stuff, and just that killer backing track from the band that comes in. I love I love the chorus that they have on these first two albums. Everyone's playing so tight, they keep the song rolling. I, God, it just hits at the end that last um, <laughs> that last when they come in with the the hammers are, oh. uh, a talking, and it just slaps. God, it just gets me. It just gets me so jacked. And there's just something about this song that has really come into its own for me uh, recently. And this is one that I I know I'm going to keep coming back to that I didn't before. But um, no, it, it stands alone atop the hill. The other the other storm song on the album, uh, <laughs> I think I'd put it up against Tupelo any day. Uh, that's that's totally fair. I think Black Croaking <laughs> is the weirdest headworm, earworm, brainworm uh, I've ever heard. There's just something about it that is just—it's so catchy. It just—it really. There's it's so, so much catchy. to it. Different little twists and turns. It's that song and knocking on Joe. I mean, you've got everybody knows Tupelo. You got your cover. You got Wanted Man. You know, you got your big closer, Blind Lemon Jefferson. 
croaking and knocking on Joe just are such like the meat of this album. Yeah. They're so good. I, yeah. Hard to find fault with either of our rankings. Yeah. I, I, I really love this album. Not my favorite, but for me, it just, it just hits the spot in the, in a way that the first one doesn't quite get to for me, though. I would recommend that first one probably uh, sooner than this one to a new listener or to um you know a goth you don't want to be showing them this weird blues shit goths i think uh are kind of lost nowadays i see a lot of them on the streets uh, begging people for music recommendations and i think some of the younger ones could stand to listen to some of this shit and i i definitely would give them the first album over this one but i think that they would like both as someone who's definitely never been you know, goth and never worn the makeup and never, uh, you know, dabbled in that, in that world. I, I'm inclined to agree. Um, and, and, you know, full disclosure, I never wore <laughs> big baggy pants with straps and zippers all over them and a, a shirt with, you know, straps holding on the sleeves and, and no elbow covers also full of zippers but um that's true just and also for more disclosure for more full disclosure never studded belts or eyeliner none of that none of that here none of that nonsense here nothing so what we're saying is we have no idea what's going on in the heads of those goths but i feel like they could use a listen to these first two albums Uh, noted and agreed upon any goths out there please tell us how you feel Tell us. Uh, we don't know anything about hit. your world um, anymore. I mean, ever, ever. We have Sean. never even come close. Andrew, it's been a great time talking to you about this bluesy album, this weird artifact in Nick Cave's career. Um, definitely far from notable album, you know, territory yeah. for him but essential in its own way. Very much so. A couple highlights. You got two below. You can't miss that. But uh, it is it is an odd one, and we'll see. I'm interested to see how it falls once we uh, make our way through the rest of them because I think it's going to be different than it has been. But who's to say how? Exactly. Yeah, doing these deep dives, you know, it's 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 obviously nice to provide a service to you, the fans, uh, but we're, we're recontextualizing our uh, experience with the band and, and with the man himself and his lyrics as we go. Um, yeah. It's always, always interested to, to uh, really make that deep dive and have a reason to do so. So thanks for listening. Yeah, absolutely. And that said, now that we're at the end of this album, you know, we've gone through our rankings. We've, we've listened to the whole thing. We've for two albums deep. Um, please. Write in. Let us know uh, how you would rank the songs on this album. How you feel about uh, these last two albums in comparison to one another. You know, if you're a longtime Cave fan or if you're completely new to him, what what are you feeling at this point in our journey? Because you know, as you can tell, Andrew and I, our emotions are we're all mixed up. I don't know what to think anymore, and I don't know what I'm going to be thinking. But we would love to hear uh, how you're feeling at this point uh, in the music. It's it's an interesting place to be, and we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. So good to take that pulse. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. Some points of order before we fully wrap up. We will be skipping Kicking Against the Pricks, the third album from Nick Cave 
and the Bad Seeds because it is a cover album. And I think we're just less interested in doing analysis of covers for now. But we may have something in store in terms of potentially putting up bonus episodes on these songs on Patreon uh, for subscribers. It may be something where we just decide to drop one every once in a while um, and just kind of, you know, do a deep dive maybe on a few at one time. Honestly, we're just not sure. And I think we and and probably a lot of you would get more out of just going through the original material of Nick Cave because I'm I'm I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think we're interested in digging into his lyrics. Yeah. Yep. And and that said, I think that there is quite a bit of uh of discussion to be had about, you know, why he chose the songs he chose, how that yes. how we see that play out, you know, in his own music. Uh when he changes things, why did they change the music? Why did they change the lyrics? Uh, we've talked about that a lot with Avalanche and and the other covers that we've seen so far. But uh, no, it is it is kind of something that I think we're going to want to take in a different direction and, than we have with his own lyrics uh, where we really dive in and dig in because, I don't know, I'm not super interested in, in analyzing The Velvet Underground or uh, Lead Belly or anything like that because... This is a Nick Cave podcast, so I think yeah, we're exactly. doing you all a favor. Totally, and I, and there's so much. You're correct, though. There is so much to, to be gained from looking at those songs and where the band was at the time. They gained a new member. We'll talk about that for the next episode, but I, I know they credit that album with teaching them kind of how to become better musicians and change the way they work. Um, it definitely is more fleshed out and polished than the rest, uh, or than the, uh, the stuff up to that point. So it's very important. We just want to kind of figure out the best way to do it. Um, so we're skipping it for now. Um, yep. second point of order, um, we will probably be taking, um, you know, at least a week break after, uh, this episode, we're back to work. Uh, my partner has a new job. I have a old job that I've got again. Um, so we're figuring out, you know, managing time and, and managing editing uh, duties and all that stuff. So um, might be a bit of a break, might be a week, might be two weeks, um, might not be a break. We'll see. Um, but that's something we wanted to throw out there um, that we might be taking breaks between albums. Um, but we'll be back every time. Don't worry. We're not yes, uh, no. going out to the corner store and never coming back. We're That's here right. for you. Not wandering out to the orchard. Uh, if if Unless we, on an episode, say that we're never coming back, we will be back. So Yes. Especially at the end of albums, it's just nice to take a little break. Yeah, I need a fucking break. God damn. <laughs> I'm doing this. I need, uh... <laughs> I need some time to listen to Nick Cave for pleasure. <laughs> yeah, it's God. It's really grinding me down. Um, uh, that said, what should y'all be listening to for next time? Well, that's a good question. Since we are skipping Kicking Against the Pricks, a fantastic cover album that is very important and I recommend listening to, but we aren't talking about it just yet, we will be jumping to album number four released that same year, 1986, as Kicking Against the Pricks. It is called Your Funeral, My Trial. We will be 
looking at it through the original um, vinyl release order, not the CD pressing order. So the first song we'll be talking about for that album, When We Return, is Sad Waters. So listen to that one. You're going to have a great time. It's a very happy track. (laughs) We'll fill you with joy. (laughs) A true song of joy. Sean, where can they find us online? How can they tell us their rankings? That's right. Shoot your rankings off to any one of our different social media or internet communication platforms. Uh, Access from your local communication terminal, the internet, locate your Google Gmail account or other email device. Send an email to todayslessonpod at gmail.com or Twitter at todayslessonpod or connect with us on Patreon, patreon.com slash todayslesson. Give us that good money so we can keep doing this, even though we don't really need it. It would be kind of cool. We don't uh, even need it at all. (laughs) Well, we don't don't have anything for you yet there. But, you know, if you want to support us and throw us five bucks a month or or any amount, we would appreciate it. It would help. Um, But uh, stay tuned as to what you might get from that. (laughs) <laughs> for now you're you're buying me non-alcoholic beers and, and lots uh, of tap water for me my tap water tap my water, water bill's crazy right now you gotta lay off that shit it's, it's ruining your mind i've got water thirst i've gone mad <laughs> uh, um rate and review five stars only um I mean, that's a given at this point. Uh, if you don't know that, you haven't been listening. You don't want us to make like six strings and draw blood. So, you know, figure it out. Wah, wah. We'll cut you. Well, we'll do it. Yes, five stars, rate and review. Helps us out, helps you out, makes you feel better about yourself, uh, as, as complimenting others often does. So we encourage you to do that on any platform that you're listening to. And while you're at it, give me five stars on Etsy. I'm selling bootleg shirts. Um, That's right. Making a huge profit off that. So let them know it's not made out of cheap material, which it is. Sean, <laughs> it's, it's been great talking about this sophomore album with you. A rare case of avoiding the sophomore slump. Let's roll. <laughs> I'm not sold on it yet, but... But let's roll. Let's let's hit it. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. Uh. Uh. Bye. Okay. Bye.